Lord, we thank you for the songs that have been sung, the prayers that have been prayed, the opportunity to worship and giving. And now as we look into your word, we ask that we will fall upon the good soil of our hearts and that we'll grow thereby. We thank you for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We are into the third episode of our series called On the Run. And in this episode, we're going to look at one of the favorite Old Testament persons. We're going to dwell into the life of David, the shepherd who turned king. But one thing we might not remember about David was the fact that he ran from King Saul for a whole bunch of years. Now, David finds his, his refuge as he's running from Saul in the most unlikely of places, including the caves of Adullam. We're going to witness David's unwavering trust in God's protection and his reliance on the Lord's guidance. And we'll discover how David's courage and faith shine even in the face of overwhelming opposition, reminding us that in our darkest moments, God can be our stronghold and source of courage. If you remember on episode number one, our subtitle was Redemption's Resurgence, and we talked about Peter, and even after he had denied the Lord, he was restored and became the leader of the way. Last week, we closed out Mental Health Awareness Month talking about Elijah, and Elijah going through his situation whereby he got a little depressed, a lot of a little depressed, a whole bunch of depressed, and ran into the wilderness and then ended up in the same location that Moses received his marching orders. And all the things that were going on, the Lord spoke to him in a whisper. So we call that wilderness whispers. This week we're going to be looking at again the young man David who has been anointed king but respected God so much that he would not try to overthrow the king. He let God do it his way and found that in order to allow God to do it his way sometimes he had to run away and stay away because the king decided to do it his way and try to kill the promise, which was David. And so we're going to call this one Caves of Courage. Caves of Courage. Let's look at our definitions. Our first definition is run. Run is to move in a hurry. Next word is cave. A cave is a hollow place in the earth, a subterraneous cavern, a den. Courage is bravery. Bravery, that quality of mind which enables men to encounter danger and difficulties with firmness or without fear or depression of spirit. Valor, boldness. And then our oppositional word, in this situation is anxiety. Anxiety is a concern respecting some event, future or uncertain, 
which disturbs the mind and keeps it in a state of painful uneasiness. Let's look at our scriptures. Our scripture, our base scripture is coming from Psalms 139, verses 7 through 12, English Standard Version. It says, where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day. For darkness is as light with you. Our scripture for this episode is coming from 1 Samuel, the 22nd chapter, the first two verses in that chapter. Then we're going to jump over to 1 Samuel, the 24th chapter, and go through a couple of verses over there. 1 Samuel 22 Verse number one says, David departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. And when his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went down there to him. And everyone who was in distress and everyone who was in debt and everyone who was bitter in soul gathered to him. And he became commander over them. And there were with him about 400 men. 1 Samuel 24, verse number 1. When Samuel returned from, when, I'm sorry, when Saul returned from following the Philistines, he was told, Behold, David is in the wilderness of En Gedi. Then Solomon took, oh man, then Saul took 300 chosen men out of all of Israel and went to seek David and his men in front of the wild goat's rocks. And he came to the sheepfolds by the way where there was a cave, and Saul went in to relieve himself. Now David and his men were sitting in the innermost parts of the cave. And the men of David said to him, Here's the day of which the Lord said to you, Behold, I will give your enemy into your hand, and you shall do to him as it shall seem good to you. Then David arose stealthily, and stealthily cut off a corner of Saul's robe. And afterward, David's heart struck him because he had cut off a corner of Saul's robe. And he said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my Lord, the Lord's anointed, to put my hand out against him, seeing he is the Lord's anointing. So David persuaded his men with these words and did not permit them to attack Saul. And Saul rose up and left the cave and went on his way. Afterward, David also arose and went out of the cave and called after Saul, my lord, the king. And when Saul looked behind him, David bowed with his face to the earth and paid homage. And David said to Saul, why do you listen to the words of men who say, behold, David seeks your harm? Behold, this day your eyes have seen how the Lord gave you today into my hand in the cave. And some told me to kill you, but I spared you. I said, I will not put out my hand against my Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. See, my father, see the corner of your robe in my hand? For by the fact that I cut off the corner of your robe and did not kill you, you may know and see that there is no wrong or treason in my hand. 
I have not sinned against you, though you hunt my life to take it. May the Lord judge between me and you. May the Lord avenge me against you, but my hand shall not be against you. As the proverb of the ancient says, out of the wicked comes wickedness, but my hand shall not be against you. After whom has the king of Israel come out? And whom do you pursue? After a dead dog? After a flea? May the Lord therefore be judged and give sentence between me and you, and see to it and plead my cause and deliver me from your hand. As soon as David has finished speaking these words to Saul, Saul said, Is this your voice, my son David? And Saul lifted up his voice and wept. He said to David, You are more righteous than I, for you have repaid me good, whereas I have repaid you evil. And you have declared this day how you have dwelt well with me, and that you did not kill me when the Lord put me into your hands. For if a man finds his enemy, will he let him go away safe? So may the Lord reward you with good for what you have done to me this day. And now behold, I know that you shall surely be king and that the kingdom of Israel shall be established in your hand. Swear to me, therefore, by the Lord, that you will not cut off my offspring after me and that you will not destroy my name out of my father's house. And David swore this to Saul. Then Saul went home, but David and his men went up to the stronghold. Father, we ask that you'll bless the reading of your word and that it will resonate in our hearts in Jesus' name. We went through all that just so that we could get to this point. The fact that David, as we a lot of us know, was this little old shepherd boy who took care of his father's sheep. And when the glory of the Lord had left Saul because Saul was just too hard-headed, he listened more to the people than he did to the Lord or to the prophet of the Lord. And we find out that David then gets anointed to be king over Israel. Well, the funny thing about it is that David gets anointed king. He gets anointed, he gets cleaned up, and he goes right back out to the field to do what he was doing. He didn't get a whole bunch of folks on his side and march into Jerusalem and try to do an overthrow. He just went on back out to the field. We find out later on that David then find, finds that his brothers are out there fighting a war with the Philistines and this great big old guy by the name of Goliath who was the champion for the Philistines was talking all this noise about the children of Israel, called them dogs and some other choice words. We see also how David's father sends him to take his brothers some lunch. And David hears this and says, who is this blankety blank Philistine who would sit up here and talk about our Lord and our God? Who's going to go out there and fight? And they say, boy, you too small. You just sitting there talking all that junk gone somewhere. But what King Saul had said, he says, whoever is victorious will get my daughter's hand in marriage and be as my son. But that money and that girl was not enough to talk anybody into going out there to talk and deal with Goliath. David said, I'll deal with him. And some people, his brothers told him to shut his mouth, but he 
didn't shut his mouth, and somebody heard him and told Saul, there's some little joker out here who's going to fight him. So he brings him in before Saul, and Saul says, Jesse, I'm Jesse's son. And he says, well, you want to fight Goliath? He says, yes, sir, I'll fight him. Saul says, bring my, bring my armor, the best armor out here. He puts the armor on David, and David was probably about 13 or 14 at the time, and and if you remember, Saul was a big guy. He, he, the Bible says he was taller than everybody in his tribe. And it didn't fit, so David said, I can't fight with this. And they said, well, how are you going to fight? He said, well, I'm just going to fight the way when I killed that wolf that was attacking my sheep. I'm going to kill him the same way I did the bear. I'm, I'm just going to kill him the way that I know how to kill something. So David kills him, and he ends up being a part of Saul's court. But David doesn't tell Saul, I've been anointed king. He just goes along with the journey. He was being patient and waiting for God to do what God was going to do in order to put him where God says that he's supposed to be. A little side note before we continue on. As I was getting this ready, I kept thinking about how God will show you something down the road and you try to make it happen today. And you wonder why you get so frustrated because God, I know this was your voice and why is this not happening? And God's saying it's not time. And you say, well, you shouldn't have showed it to me if it wasn't time because I'm ready to do it. Oh, y'all, okay, yeah, y'all don't say that. But, but some folks say that. Like the people on the mic. If you're going to show it to me, then why don't you give it to me? Why? Because there's a process that we need to go through in order to be able to have the character to operate in what God has for us. I, I got to reflect back on Saul. When Saul was selected to be king, when, when God, when they said, give us a king, God, and he says, Saul, they had to go find Saul. The biggest guy in his tribe was hiding in a tent behind the luggage, down and hiding the biggest thing in the whole thing, and he was trying to hide. So that should have told you already he shouldn't have been the king, but you asked for a king, so this is what you got. He looked like a king because he was bigger than everybody else, and, 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 and so he was, but Saul didn't have the character to be the king. And because the Lord had withdrew his glory from Saul, Saul started being tormented by his thoughts and his spirits that were dealing with him, letting him know that he has, the Lord has forsaken him. And, and the only thing that would soothe Saul was some music. So they said, we need to find somebody that can play some music to keep the king soothed. And guess whose name came up? David. David comes in there. He starts singing some R&B and some, so, and broke it down and, and did some soul music and broke it down and Saul was feeling awful good. He told Jesse that David's going to stay here at my house now. Find you another shepherd. So David became a part of Saul's court. But not one time can we discover where David said, I'm the king. 
David was just being who he was, loving on people, showing love towards people, and him and his and Saul's uh, son Jonathan became the best of friends. But then the word of the Lord came to Saul and told him that David was going to be king. Now, for somebody that's already in torment, somebody that's already anxious, somebody that's already going through, when you tell them the thing that they think is soothing them, is causing, is going to be the cause of their downfall, you get this thing, I can't say it correctly, but I'm going to go with it and Miss Yolanda go correct me, is this cognitivity uh, dissonance. You have this, you know what is right, and you or mine is telling you that it ain't right. Did I say it correctly? Cognitive, Cognitive dissonance. 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 Told you she'd get me right. Cognitive dissonance. Because what your mind is telling you, how is this person that is sitting right here in front of me, that's doing all this good for me, also going to be the king? So in order for him to be the king, that means he's got to kill me because I ain't going nowhere. And so it caused Saul to be anxious. And one day when David came in there to play for him, Saul had his sword. He was flipping his sword around, looking at his sword. And then all of a sudden he said, you will not take over my kingdom. And he throws his sword at David. And David just moved his head real quick and he missed him. And now I can't even kill him because the joke is too quick. And so he gets more anxious and more, and he loses vision. He, he loses contact with God. Everything is going crazy. And then he says, I got to kill David. And David's still reverencing him as the appointed man of God for the people. Still tries to serve him. Still tries to do the right things. And we see how one day when the king says at this feast, I'm going to kill this man. David realizes that I cannot hang out with the king. He is going to kill me. David goes to his wife and says, listen, your daddy trying to kill me. I am not going to this festival today. Saul got so mad when Micah got up there and told him, I mean, Michelle told him that, hey, listen, David's not feeling well, so he's not coming. The second day, Saul said, told his man, you go get David and bring him up in here. Now, she already said he's sick, but they, he wasn't playing that. He's going to kill David. He got mad at his daughter, called her a traitor because she was protecting her husband. I ain't seen it like that until I saw it like that. So everybody is against Saul. He even got on his son Jonathan and said, don't you know this man is going to take your place? He's going to be the king. And Jonathan said, I'm good with that. That's my friend. I'm good with that. And so Saul, because of this anxiety that he had, because he knew that the, the presence of the Lord was from him, began to say, I am going to make the rest of my life focused on killing David. 
I don't even want to talk about how much better uh, David was than Saul in battle. I don't even want to go into how David had the beautiful voice and Saul probably had a cranky voice. I don't, you know, I don't want to even go into those comparisons in that, in, in the fact that when they would come in from the battle, they would say, yeah, here comes Saul who is killed in his thousands, but look who else is coming. It's David who's killed in his ten thousands. He's just ten times better than you, Saul. You better recognize so Saul said, I'm going to kill that joker. He gets his posse together and he decides, I'm going to go ahead and deal with David. When we come to this, the, the, the story where we are now, where David's been running, he's been hiding, and we find out that folks are like, I like David. I want to be a part of what David has going on. David's just such a good guy. Oh, yes. So it says all the folks that have issues, go find David. All the folks are hiding in these caves. Now, the caves of Adullam are, 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 are a whole network of caves. It's all, there are caves all over the place. So it's easy for everybody to be hidden in these caves. And what we discover in this is the fact that most of the time, a lot of people use caves for their restrooms. So a lot of folks didn't live in caves because most folks used them for their restrooms. And Saul has been chasing David over here, there, everywhere, just chasing him, chasing him, chasing him. David and them found a place to hide, and lo and behold, Saul has to go to relieve himself. He has to go to the bathroom. And so he goes to the cave, and it just so happens that the cave that he decides to go in and use the bathroom in is the one that David and his fighting partners are in. Now, a fighter gonna fight. He said, that's my enemy? Hey, David, it must be the Lord. It must be the Lord that put him over here so we can kill him. And they got, they got him all hyped up. They, David got all hyped up and he walks up behind him while he's doing his deed and cuts off a little piece of his robe. And David realized as he walks back to him, I can't do this. He is the Lord's anointed. And because he's the Lord's anointed, I will not harm him. He may have fell out. He may have fell aside. He, may, he said he can chase me all over the world, but I will not be the one to harm him. And so we see that as Saul has getting, got done relieving himself and David waits a little bit, I guess he probably had to wait for the smell to leave so he could go ahead and walk out past it. I just want to throw that in there. And he goes up there to it and he says, my father still shows him respect, still is acknowledging who he is. He reveals that I am a man of character. I am a man of principle. I could have, but I chose not to. You done ran me over here, over there, up, down, all around. You have uh, talked bad about my wife. You talked bad about my family. You just did me so, way, so many ways dirty, but I am going to just be in a position 
whereby I can walk in the courage of knowing that God has his plan set for me. There's a saying that courage does not mean the absence of fear. Courage is our ability to act in the face of fear. So in this situation, even though David was in fear of his life, he realized that this was anointed of God. I will not go against God's anointed. And so I will just let him know this could have happened. So in this cave, in this desolate, subterraneous place, David gets up the courage to finally confront that which was causing him anxiety. Can you imagine having to move from cave to cave and being run out and you got 400 plus people that you're responsible for trying to move those people at the same time? And it ended up that David ended up taking them into the land of the Philistines living there so that Saul wouldn't attack him any longer. And then as David sits there and explains it to them, because I believe as David walked back to them, and they like, what you doing with a piece of cloth in your hand? Where's his head? And one of them joking probably said, David, I, I'll do it. I got you. I got it. I got you. I got you. He had to calm them down. And it would take him courage in order to say, listen, we're not killing God's anointed. We're not doing that. We are not getting into that boat. And being able to have the control and, and the courage and the bravery in order to tell them we're going to do this the right way, the godly way, and we're going to acknowledge God's authority. And we run into this problem all the time. That we realize that the Bible says that all authority is placed there by God. Yeah. Now, this is the problem that we run into. Well, we don't like how they are operating their authority. That's, that wasn't, see, that, they don't say nothing about that. It says that we are to be under the authority that has been appointed over us. And that's why sometimes we get into a point where we are assassinating, throwing darts at those that are putting authority over us in lieu of doing what we should be doing, which is praying for and interceding for them. I ain't talking about you, but if the shoe fit, lace it up. Amen. Unless, like, like my grandson said, unless you need Velcro because you can't tie your shoes right. Then go ahead and put them Velcro on. So what we want to look at is how are we going to uh, deal with those that we know that are attacking us and have a mindset to destroy us. We are going to walk in the power of the love of God. Now, when I say walk in the power of the love of God, that don't mean if, if they slap you that you walk right back over there and stand in front of them again. Because the second slap, you may not have as much resistance and cause some, somebody to get hurt. Not you, but them. But what we do is we still show kindness. We still show patience. We still show the fruit of the Spirit to them, even in the midst of that. But we do it from a distance. We allow God to work in the situation instead of us trying to work the situation for God. And because as we're moving into this, as we're going through this, 
The one thing that we have to think about that David did this entire time is this word that we really don't like. <sighs> Forgiveness. Forgiveness is not a happy word. Revenge is a happy word. But forgiveness is not a happy word. The, this, uh, this person in the commentary said, Forgiveness is the act of compassionately releasing the desire to punish someone or yourself for an offense. It's a state of grace giving you nothing you can force or pretend. There's no shortcuts. Forgiveness refers to the actor, not the act. Not to the offense, but the woundedness of the offender. This doesn't mean you'll run back to your battering spouse because of compassion for the damaged person he or she is. Of course, you want to spare yourself mistreatment. However, from a distance, you can try to forgive the conscious or unconscious suffering that motivates people. Our desire to transform anger is a summoning of peace well worth the, nor the necessary soul stretching. Because forgiveness means that I am not holding you responsible for the act that you've done and I'm not trying to get it adjudicated based upon the justice that I should receive. What it means is that I am not tying myself to you any longer. I am not holding that against you, which in effect is actually holding me down. And so it, then it gets us to this point. It's, it reveals that David's only ability to, to forgive Saul becomes as a result of him learning to hear from the Lord. Because if you look through that whole little time of, of, of 1 Samuel uh, 18 through the 25th chapter, you'll see that there was many different times that David could have did something or could have rose up, but he listened to the voice of the Lord and did it God's way. And so David finds himself in situations where he needed great wisdom to move forward. And God found him right where he was, whether surprised by supporters or hiding in a cave. And in a cave where his adversary makes himself vulnerable to David. So what God does, he causes us to follow him even when others might object. The famous, the famous words that we will hear are this. If I was you, this is what I would do. The problem is, it's usually the unanointed person, the person that has not heard the voice of the Lord that will tell you that if I was you. They just want to see you do something in what they picture in their mind is actually happening. The things of the spirit sometimes are greater actions are happening than what's happening physically. And so we want to ensure that we hear the voice of the Lord so that as we're going forward, 
We know that it's God leading us, and what my flesh tells me to do is not necessary what God needs to be done at that moment. I wonder how many of us would be sitting in that cave that day and be walking behind David saying, I don't think David's going to do this, so I'm going to take care of it for him. Or be walking with him the whole time, get him, David, get him. You know he did you wrong. Got us living in this cave. We ain't seen the light of day in days. And David, you should just get him. And as we can see how this works, we see how the, the courage the, 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 that had to be manifest being in this dark place that's underground and the anxiety that can come upon you thinking about if I would take action, then I wouldn't be in this predicament. But if I could flip it really quickly and say Saul was in a cave just like David, but his cave was a spiritual mental cave. It was a darkness that he could not overcome. It was a, 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 a closing in that he could not uh, uh, find enough light for. He was in this dark place because of his disobedience to God. And because he realized he was disobedient, his expectation was that God was going to strike him dead. And because he's already selected his person who he has uh, wanted to replace Saul, it was going to be that person because that's what Saul would have done. But God does things at a whole different level in a whole new way. And so David goes through this entire process and then ends up becoming the king. And Saul and, and David did not kill any of Saul's offspring, just as he promised. And once David became king, he went and he said, is there anybody from Saul's family that's still alive? And there was one of Jonathan's sons who was crippled, and he said, bring him here. And he made him a part of his house until he passed away because he wanted to respect what uh, the agreement was between him and Saul. He had the courage to do what it was, even after Saul had him living in caves. He still had the courage to do according to his word because it was his character that caused him to do it God's way. Let us also walk in the power of our character, not wrapping around. It looks like this or it looks like that. Let us talk to God about the situation and allow the voice of God to direct us on how we should approach these type of situations. Because we don't want to do it within ourselves. Because usually when we do it in ourselves, we discover that we cannot overcome what we've done. Because we usually jack it up from the flow up. With that being said, if, if you feel like you're in a situation where you're just so anxious about it coming to pass, it, 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 it's becoming to a, a conclusion, and, and you just don't know what to do, that is the greatest time for you to seek the voice of the Lord. Because the voice of the Lord will give you direction when you ask for it and you listen for it. 
That's the, that's the second part. You got to listen to what God is telling you. And you got to do what God is telling you. I don't know if you've ever heard God tell you to do something. He's like, I ain't, I ain't doing that. that. That don't sound right. Uh, no, no, because they'll get over if I do that. And God's saying, this is what I want you to do. No, nah, Lord, that, no, nah, no, nah, I can't do that. There's a guy in the Bible who gives you a good example of that. He wrote, wrote a whole book about him. His name Jonah. You can look him up, and you can see what happens. God's going to get what he wants done. But with that being said, what we want to do, we want to cause a situation whereby we are in right relationship with God. We want to make up an environment where God can speak to us and we can speak to him and he can provide us with the guidance that we need. And in order for us to do that, we have to have a relationship with God. In order for us to have that relationship with God, we have to accept the gift that God has given us. And the gift that God has given us is the gift of life. That if we will accept that Jesus died for our sins, that we can be reconciled back to God. And because of that reconciliation, we can hear the voice of God more clearly. The Bible says it like this. It says, if, there, if we will confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. That word saved means to be rescued or delivered. We're being rescued or delivered from the penalty of sin. And the penalty of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It says, for with, every, for with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If that is a decision that you have made, we want to assist you along this journey because this is not an individual event, but it's a team sport. We're all in this together, helpers of one another. Let us know that you have made that decision and we will come alongside you and be with you and assist you along that journey. You can contact us via email at info at godshousecc.com or you can text us at 864-920-0100. Let us know and we will come alongside you and assist you along that journey. We are excited that you will make that decision. Well, friends and family, episode number three is in the book, The Cave of Courage. Whatever you're going through, whatever you are feeling anxious about, talk to God and he will give you the strength, the courage to overcome that fear, that anxiety, so that you can be in the position that he desires for you to be in. Because we don't want to be trying to do it within ourselves. We want to do it all within God's provision. Amen? Amen. All right. Well, episode number four is coming up next week. 
It's going to be our only woman that we're going to talk about this in this series. And I'm not telling you her name. You've got to show up next week in order to see it. All right. All right. Well, until next week, God's blessings be upon you in Jesus' name.